Amen. <clears throat> All right, well, we're there in uh, Leviticus chapter number uh, 4. Leviticus chapter 4. I'd like you to look down at verse number 1. Leviticus chapter 4 and uh, verse 1. And uh, we've been making our way through the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 4. And uh, in verse 1, I want you to notice, just by way of introduction, I want to show you a couple of things. Uh, in verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses... Uh, saying, you're going to find this phrase in the book of Leviticus several times. And whenever you find that phrase, I want you to remember, or I want you to just take note of it, because when you find that phrase where the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses, uh, it seems to be that that's kind of a, a cutting off mark, a starting over mark, and uh, you're beginning a new thought, getting into a new study. And here we are going through the different offerings and we've talked about the burnt offering and the meat offering and the peace offering. And now we're going to get into the sin offering and the trespass offering. And I just want you to understand that these offerings are kind of separated from the rest. They're a little different and we're just kind of uh, learning about them. And actually the sin offering and the trespass offering, um, they're different from the other offerings. But they're very, very uh, similar to each other. And next week when we deal with chapter 5 with the trespass offering, then we will get into all the differences and things like that. Um, we, we got new speakers today, and I think we're, we're trying to figure them out. All right, does everything sound okay to you? Does it sound okay to you, Brother Carlton? It sounds good? Okay, all right. Um, so when we, we're, next week, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the difference of the trespass offering and the sin offering. But what I want you to notice is that in this chapter, there are two major truths that we learn uh, from this chapter that I want to kind of draw your attention to. But before we get to that, uh, look, look, look at verse number 2. Well, look at verse 1 again. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin, I want you to notice these two words, through ignorance. The Bible says, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them. The Bible is teaching here, this idea of sinning through ignorance. If you look down at verse number 13, look at verse 13. It says, and if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and uh, the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, that they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty. Now, I want you to just, just to kind of lay a little bit of foundation of what's going on here. I want you to understand how the Bible defines sin. The Bible defines sin as the transgression of the law. If you look down at verse 13 again, it says, against any of the commandments of the Lord. That is a sin. When God has a clear command in Scripture and we choose to break that command or transgress that command, that is a sin. Look down at verse 22. When a ruler has sinned and done somewhat through ignorance, against, notice what he says, any of the commandments of the Lord. Look at verse 27, same chapter. We're going to skip around and look at a lot of verses tonight. We'll cover the whole chapter, but we're going to skip around a little bit. We already read the chapter in its context. But look at verse 27. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance while he do it somewhat, notice, against any of the commandments of the Lord. That is 
the definition of sin. Sin is not when you feel bad, although it can cause you to feel bad, not when you break, you know, uh, one of the laws of the land, although some of the laws of the land correspond to the laws of God, but a sin is when we transgress the commandments of God. Keep your place there in Leviticus 4. Obviously, that's our text for tonight. Go into the book of 1 John, chapter number 3. 1 John, towards the end of the New Testament, if you start at the book of Revelation and head back, You'll, have, you'll go through the books of Jude, which is one chapter, and then 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. Go to 1st John chapter 3, and look at verse number 4. 1st John chapter 3 and verse 4. And when you get to 1st John, do me a favor, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there, because we're going to leave it, and then we're going to come back, not to 1st John, but we're going to come back in that area. 1st John chapter 3, if you look at verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. I want you to notice, for sin is the transgression of the law. All right? So the Bible, our King James Bible, it's its own dictionary. It defines itself. Here, the Bible defines for us, just like in Leviticus 4, sin is the transgression of the law. We sin when we go against any of the commandments of the Lord. That is sin. And in this chapter, we're being told about sins of ignorance. Go, keep your place there in 1 John. Go, go back to Leviticus 4. Look at verse 2. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance. Now, let, let me lay a little bit of this foundation. Let's talk about what does it mean to sin through ignorance. What does that mean when someone sins through ignorance? Look down at verse number 22. And like I told you, we're going to jump around a lot tonight. Uh, we already read the chapter in its context, but I just want you to see these things. What does it mean to sin through ignorance? In verse 22, the Bible says this, When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat, through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord is God concerning things which should, not, uh, which should not be done and is guilty. Notice verse 23. Or if his sin, wherein he hath sinned, notice what it says, come to his knowledge. He shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, male without blemish. So here we are told that someone sinned through ignorance and he says, you know, if his sin, wherein he hath sinned, come to his knowledge then he shall bring his offering. So when you sin through ignorance is when you're sinning and something is not coming to your knowledge. The idea, the knowledge of that commandment is not something that you are aware of or you know about. Look down at verse 27, Leviticus 4.27. If any one of the common people sin through ignorance while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, notice verse 28, or if his sin, which he hath sinned, notice, come to his knowledge. Then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin, which he hath sinned. So again, we see here that it is not till the sin comes, so they have the knowledge to be able to go through that sin. So what does it mean when it says to sin through ignorance? Here's what it means. It means an individual that is not knowledgeable of the sin they are committing. Now, that could be ignorance in the sense of, you know, I was ignorant, I did not know that's what the Bible says, but it, it, can, it can mean something else. And, and go to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 15. You're there in Leviticus, just the next book over, Numbers 15, and look at verse 22. I want you to notice what the Bible says. And we're going to get more into this next week about, you know, sinning willfully versus, you know, a sin of ignorance. I was debating of whether, you know, to deal with that this week or next week, and I think it'll just work out better next week. So, 
you know, please don't come asking me some question in the next week or so, all right, about, you know, should I do this? And then I'm going to tell you, well, the Bible says, and you're going to think I'm preaching against you, okay? I've, I've already announced it. Next Wednesday, sin of woefulness, all right? Somebody's going to come ask me some stupid question, and I'm going to say, well, that's not what the Bible says, and then you're going to do it anyway, and then you're going to show up on Wednesday night, pastor's preaching against me, all right? I've announced it. Sin of woefulness, next week, Leviticus 5, all right? People always think I'm preaching against them. I just preach. You know, if you quit sinning, maybe you won't feel so guilty. Numbers 15. Look at verse 22. Numbers 15 and verse 22. And if ye have erred and not observed all these commandments which the Lord hath spoken unto Moses, even all that the Lord hath commanded. Now notice what he says. If ye have erred, you, you, you've, you've made an error. And what was your error? Not observed all these commandments which the Lord has spoken unto Moses, even all that the Lord hath commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day that the Lord commanded Moses and henceforward amongst your generations, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering. For a sweet savor unto the Lord with his meat offering and his drink offering according to the manner and one kid of the goats for his sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them for it is, uh, for it is ignorance and they shall bring their offering a sacrifice with my fire unto the Lord and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger that sojourneth among them seeing all All the people were in ignorance. And if any soul sinned through ignorance, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for your soul that sinneth, notice these words, ignorantly, when he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. Notice verse 30, but the soul that doeth aught presumptuously. Do you see that? So this is not someone who's doing it by ignorance, but there's intent. Whether he be born in the land or stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he hath despised the word of the Lord. So he knew what the Bible said, but he just despised it. He just chose to go against it. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. And notice, there is no offering for a presumptuous sin. And we'll talk about that next week. But I want you to understand, a sin of ignorance is when someone is sinning without knowledge. They're going against the Word of God, but they either don't know what the Bible says, or we see in that word presumptuous, what they're doing is they never had an intent. So they sin, but they didn't set out to sin. They, they didn't, it's not like they just premeditated, you know, I'm going to go rob that bank. You know, I'm going to, like they, they were driving down the street, someone cut them off, they, you know, they lost their temper, they said something they shouldn't have said, and they realized, then it comes to their knowledge, like, man, you know, that's a sin, I shouldn't do that. But they didn't set out to do that. You understand what I'm saying? They didn't go out today and say, I'm going to go out and just, you know, lose my temper and get upset. But they sinned anyway, but it was not a presumptuous sin. It was not, and we'll talk about that more in detail next week. But I want you to understand, what does it mean to sin through ignorance? It means whether you, you either don't know, you either don't know, or it means that you 
know, but that, that knowledge isn't in your mind. In the sense, you know, all of us, it's like you'll do something and then afterwards it'll pop, that verse will pop in your head like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have said that. You know, so that's what he's referring to when it talks about sinning through ignorance. Now, go back to Leviticus chapter 4 and let's talk about this. Not only can an individual... Not only can an individual sin through ignorance, but also a group can sin through ignorance. Now, it works a little different with a group, but go to Leviticus 4, look at verse 13. Tonight's going to be very much of a Bible study, just kind of digging into this, uh, this chapter here. Leviticus 4, look at verse 13. Leviticus 4, 13 says this, And if the whole congregation, and in other passages we're told about an entire family being able to do this. So it says, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, but notice how they do it as a group, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which uh, should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have sinned against it, notice, is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. So when we're talking about a, a group sinning through ignorance, the idea is that someone in that group sinned, but the, it's not known to the congregation. The best example for this is the story of Achan. Remember Achan in the book of Joshua, where they were told not to take from Jericho. They were told that that was to be the equivalent of a burnt offering. It was all supposed to go to God, and Achan took from them. But the congregation didn't know it. Only Achan and his family knew. And then, you know, but God judged the entire nation. Why? The Bible says there was sin in the camp. But that was a sin of ignorance for the congregation. They were not aware of it. Once it, they, once it was known, then they dealt with it. So what does it mean to sin through ignorance? On an individual level, it means you either don't know what the Bible says and you sin anyway, or you don't set out to sin, and at that moment, in the heat of the moment, you're not really thinking about what the Bible says, and then later you realize, man, that was a sin. That was not right. You know, then God expects you to bring an offering. And here's the major truth that I want you to understand from this, from this chapter. The, the major truth, and if you want to write this down, is, is, is this, the first truth. There is a measure of responsibility for all sins, including the sins of ignorance. You cannot say that I did not know, therefore it's okay. This chapter teaches that if you did not know and you did it anyway, guess what? You still have to bring a sacrifice. Guess what? You still have to make it right with God. Guess what? You, you still, it's still a sin and it's still held against you. Now it's not held against you like a presumptuous sin and we'll talk about that next week. But you know, I want you to understand that any, that, that when you sin, whether you know it or not, God holds you accountable for those sins. Let's talk about this. Who can sin through ignorance? Now we saw that a group, an assembly, a church can sin through ignorance. If, if somebody, you know, your sin, could stop the blessings of God upon our church because there's sin in the camp. And, you know, when God makes us aware of it, then we have to try to deal with it. But let's talk about, you know, who can... And it's real clear from this passage that, you know, anybody can do it. If you look at Leviticus 4, look at verse 2. says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance. If you look at verse... In verse 2, he says, If a soul shall sin through ignorance. That's just anybody. But if you look at verse 22, he starts giving us specific people. Verse 22, he says, when a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance. In verse 27, he says, and if any one of the common people sin 
through ignorance. So we're seeing here that individuals can sin, a group can sin, the entire congregation. Now let's talk about this, and this is a part that you're going to think is not fair, but it's the Bible. Are you any less guilty when you sin through ignorance? Well, look at verse 22. Leviticus 4.22. When a ruler had sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done. Notice what it says. And is guilty. Do you see that? Look, you are just as guilty when you sin through ignorance as when you have a presumptuous or a woeful sin. Look at verse 27, same chapter, Leviticus 4.27. And if any of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, notice what it says, and be guilty. You say, well, I didn't know that's what the Bible says. You're still guilty. I didn't know there's still a measure of responsibility. There's a measure of responsibility that God uh, makes you accountable for. And here's what you need to understand, and I, and I want to kind of, I want you to, under, uh, to, to explain this, so we're going to run some verses. Go, go with me to the book, let's start, um, let's see, let's start in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 20, and look, and look at verse number 1. Here's what I want you to understand, if you're writing statements down, I'd like you to write this statement down. Sinning through ignorance does not grant you immunity. Sinning through ignorance does not grant you immunity. It will get you leniency, though. When you sin through ignorance, God does not say, oh, you didn't know, so you're immune. No problem. No, there's no consequence for you. No. Because if that was the case, then why are we studying the Bible? Let's just be idiots concerning the Word of God, and then that way we're just good to go. You know, we can just go do whatever because, so it's not that sinning through ignorance gets you immunity. In fact, it doesn't get you immunity. You're still held responsible. You're still guilty. You're still supposed to bring. When it, becomes to, when it comes to your knowledge, you're still supposed to bring the sacrifice and, and confess to God, hey, I've done wrong. I've sinned against the Lord. So sinning through ignorance does not grant you immunity. But it does, I want you to understand, it does grant you leniency because we'll talk about it next week. When someone sins willfully, the Bible is very clear. God comes down very hard on that. When someone just knows something's wrong, you say, I know that's what the Bible says. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Hey, have at it. But God's, gonna, God, God's not going to show mercy on that. And the Bible's very clear about that. But let, let's look at some examples of this. What does this look like in a practical way? Genesis chapter 20, look at verse 1. In Genesis chapter 20 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. Genesis 20 and verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur. And so journeyed in Gerar, Genesis 20, look at verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. So remember, Abraham's journeying. He's afraid that people are going to try to take his wife or kill him for his wife. So he's lying about his wife and saying, she's my sister. He's not telling them that that's his wife. And then the king of Gerar, Abimelech the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Because he thinks Sarah is just Abraham's sister. So he takes her. Notice what happens, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Now notice, God says, I'm going to kill you, Abimelech, because you have taken another man's wife. Notice verse 4. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me. And I notice what Abimelech said. 
said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she even herself said, he is my brother. And notice what he says, and in the integrity of my heart, and in the innocency of of my hands, have I done this? He says, look, I, I didn't know that she was a married woman. He says, he told me it was a sister. She said that it was her brother. He said, I've done this in the integrity of my my heart. I've done this in the innocency of my hand. But I want you to notice, God still came to him in the prior verse and said, I'm going to kill you, Abimelech. You're a dead man. Notice verse 6. And God said unto him, now here's the leniency. No immunity, but there's leniency. And God said unto him, verse 6, in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore, restore the, the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech arose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us, and what have I offended thee that thou hast brought unto me, and on my kingdom uh, a great sin thou hast done? Deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And by the way, you always get yourself into trouble when you just assume things. People are always just assuming. You know, I get real fed up with it because everyone's always assuming how I'm going to react to certain things. You know, they're like, Don't tell Pastor this because he's going to assume. You know, you get yourself into trouble when you assume. Why don't you just tell the truth? Look at verse 11. And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Now according to that verse, and, and I'm not preaching on this, but according to that verse, realize this, a half-truth is as much of a lie as a full lie. She's like, well, I, I, she is my sister, but she's also, and God says, that's a lie. Notice verse 12. And yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen. Let's skip some of those verses, but I want you to notice um, verse 17. Notice verse 17. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So here's what I'm just saying. Even though he did it in the integrity of his heart, even though he did it in the innocency of his hand, God still fast closed up the wombs. God still said, surely, you know, thou art but a dead man. So I want you to notice there's no immunity for not knowing. There's no excuse. But there was some leniency. Because God said, I made your meetings run late. I made sure your chariot broke down. He said, I kept you from sinning because I knew that you were doing it in the innocency of your heart. I, I knew. He said, I kept you from being able to actually physically be with her. But he says, look, there's, there is leniency because you did it in the integrity of your heart. But there's no immunity. You're still responsible when you sin. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Towards the end of the New Testament, you got all the T-books. They're all clustered together. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. Let me give you another one. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Because people say this, Oh, well, as long as I don't know, then I can't be held accountable. No, God will hold you accountable. Whether you know or not. 
And that's why it's important that you're in church on a Wednesday night and you're learning the Bible. That's why it's important that you're in church on Sunday morning and church on Sunday night that you've got your own Bible reading. Because look, if I'm going to play a game, I want to know the rules. If God's going to hold me accountable based on His commandments and He's going to bless me or curse me based on how I transgress His commandments, then guess what? I want to know what the Bible says. So we need to learn the Word of God. First Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 12. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. First Timothy 1 and verse 12. Notice what Paul said. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Now I can say that like Paul. God counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. God put me into the ministry, made me the pastor of Verity Baptist Church. He put Paul into the ministry, called him into the apostleship, called him into evangelist work, allowed him to go out and start churches. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, you know, I was called into the ministry. And you got to make, make a note of that. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice how that's connected to verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer. He said, I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Now notice what he says, but I obtained mercy. Why? Because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. He said, look, I, before I was unsaved and I was ignorant, I was a persecutor and I was injurious and I was a blasphemer, and, but I obtained mercy. Now here's what I'm just saying. He obtained leniency, not immunity. Let me show you that. Go to the book of Acts. Now remember, he said, I thank Christ your Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry, right? Go to, go to uh, Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. He references back to his calling, but he says, I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. But listen, even though he did it when he wasn't saved, and even though he did it when he was ignorant, he still suffered consequences as a result. Was there leniency? Yes. But was there immunity? No. Acts chapter 9. Look at verse number 10. Acts chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. In Acts 9, we're, we're reading the story of when Saul got saved and also when he got called into ministry. Notice verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. It's after God already appeared to Saul and the Damascus road. He's now praying. He's blind. Look at verse 12. And had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, this guy's a blasphemer. This guy's injurious. This guy's a persecutor. I've heard all about this guy. Look at verse 14. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. That's his calling. Right? Look at verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, Paul was called into the ministry. God showed him mercy and leniency. But you know what? Paul also got beat everywhere he went. And Paul got imprisoned everywhere he went. And Paul got hurt everywhere he went. And part of that was the fact that he was reaping what he sowed. Because you know what Paul used to do? 
before he got saved, he used to imprison people. And he used to beat people. And he used to stone people. And, I, and you say, well, he did it in ignorance. He did it ignorantly in unbelief. But you know what? He still had to live that life. He still had to suffer. Because even when you sin through ignorance, sinning through ignorance does not bring you immunity. It might get you some leniency. It might get you some mercy. But you still have to reap the consequences of those sins. And Paul had to live that life. And look, I'm thankful that the worst thing that's happened to us is few homos protesting us, you know? I'm thankful I haven't been beaten all that. But here's the thing. Paul had to live that life. Why? Because that's what he did. Because sinning through ignorance does not get you immunity. It may get you some leniency, but not immunity. Go to Romans 9. Let me give you one more, and then we'll go back to Leviticus. Romans 9. You're there in Acts, just one book over. Romans 9. Not only does sinning through ignorance not get you immunity, sinning through ignorance does not soothe your conscience. You still have to live with that guilty conscience of that sin. Romans 9, look at verse 1. Notice what Paul says. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now that's quite a statement that Paul makes there. And I don't think it's a statement that any of us would make. I mean, he says, I wish I could die and go to hell if it meant that my brethren could be saved. He said, I wish that myself were a curse from Christ. Now look, I don't think any of us would make that statement. And here's why I would never make that statement, because no one has to go to hell that doesn't want to go to hell. Salvation is a free gift for all of us. I don't have to give you mine so you can be saved. Now, if it worked where like one family gets it, then yeah, maybe I'd give it to my wife or I'd give it to my children. But that's not how salvation works. Salvation is available for all of us. I can take it. My wife can take it. My children can take it. You can take it. And I want you to understand, this statement from Paul is revealing something of his heart. The man lived with a heavy guilt of the false religion that he promoted. And even in the book of Acts, when he wants to go back to Jerusalem, God sends a prophet to tell him, don't go. And he goes anyway. And as a result, he gets in prison, he gets beat, he goes to Rome, all those things. And of course, all things work together for good. Of course, God takes care of it. But here you got a man, he's guilty. He's got this guilty conscience. So sinning through ignorance does not grant you immunity. Go back to, to Leviticus. And here's what I want you to understand. There is a measure of responsibility for all sin, even when you sin through ignorance. And you have to pay for those sins on this earth. And we're not talking about salvation, of course. Our sins have been paid in regards to our eternal salvation. But on this earth, there are consequences for sin. You do reap what you sow. And on this earth, and God will grant you leniency. God might withhold you from doing certain things or taking it too far. You might be able to say, I did it in the innocency of my, in the integrity of my heart and in the innocency of my hands. But listen to me, just because you sin through ignorance, God will forgive it. God, you can bring a sacrifice and make it right. Next week we'll talk about willful sins and those there are no sacrifices for willful sins. God says, I'm just going to come down hard on you and we're going to make it right through discipline. But the, 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 the first great truth we find in this, in this uh, offering in Leviticus 4 is that there is a measure of responsibility for all sin, even sins of ignorance. Here's the second truth. Go back to Leviticus 4. The second great truth that we learn from this chapter is this, that there are levels of accountability for sinners. 
Not only is there responsibility for all sins, but there's accountability for sinners. And here's what I mean by that. Depending on the amount of responsibility that you have, God holds you more accountable. Are you there in Leviticus 4? Look at verse 3. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. If the priest... Now, who's the priest? That's the spiritual leadership. If the priest that is anointed do sin, according to the sins of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock. Now, you see that word bullock there? See the first part of the word is, it says bull? Okay, you're bringing a, a young, a baby bull. Now, a baby bull is a pretty big animal. Even the babies, you know? And he says, hey, a young bullock, and we're not saying a newborn here, just saying a, a young bullock without blemish. So you can't just bring any bull. You got to find a bull that has no blemish. No, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. A young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. So if you are a priest, you are the spiritual leader. Do you still sin? Of course, we all sin. But he says, when you sin, priest, I want you to go out and find a bull that is without blemish. Don't give me an old one that's about to die. He said, you give me a young one that's going to hurt you a little bit, that you could have got some work out of. You bring me that as a sacrifice if you are a priest. Go to Leviticus 4 and verse 22. Notice in verse 22, though, it says this. When a ruler... Okay, now what's a ruler? That's a political leader. Not a spiritual leader, but a political leader. When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin wherein he has sinned come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, notice, a kid of the goat, a male without blemish. Okay, now look, a goat is a smaller animal. A goat is a cheaper animal. If, if, someone, if, if someone said to you, you know, you own, an, you own a bull and you own a goat, and you say, which one do you want to give up? You probably want to give up the goat first. But God tells the, spirit, the priest, no, you bring a bull. He tells the ruler, though, he tells the ruler, you bring a goat. Now, it's a little hard. He says, I want it to be a male. And a male, obviously, you know, had the ability to be able to impregnate many different she-goats and to be able to produce a lot. And also, he says, I want it to be without blemish. So you have to, there's some effort that goes into it. Go to Leviticus 4 and verse 27. Now, a, a male goat without blemish is quite a price, but not in comparison to a bull. Notice verse 27. Leviticus 4, verse 27. Leviticus 4, 27. And if any one of the common people, all right, so we went from spiritual leader, political leader, now we're talking about the commoner. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and be guilty, or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring an offering, notice, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish. So he brings a kid of the goat, uh, but it can be a female without blemish. For his sins which he hath sinned, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. But, you know, we're going to skip some verses, but go to verse 32. Still talking about the common people. He also gives them another option in verse 32. He says, and if he bring a lamb. He says, okay, if you can't bring a goat, then bring a lamb. Now the ruler had to bring a goat, a male without blemish. The priest had to bring a bullock. 
a male without blemish. The commoner, he says, I'd like you to bring a kid of the goats, a female without blemish. You can't do that? That's all right. Verse 32, and if you bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. We'll see in other chapters in Leviticus where if they were a commoner that was under the, they, they were described as someone who was in poverty, they were allowed to bring um, even like a meat offering where they just brought, you know, flour and cakes, you know. And here's what I'm trying to show you. God expected more from the spiritual leader than he expected from the political leader. And God expected more from the political leader than he expected from the common people. And then God, notice if you go to verse number 13, Leviticus 4.13, it says, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, that they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin. So notice, if the whole congregation sin, it's a bullock. If it's just one commoner, it's a goat or a lamb. Or maybe even a meat offering, if that's all you can afford, if you're poor. If it's a ruler, it's a goat. If it's a spiritual a priest, you bring the same thing that the whole congregation brings. And here's what I want you to understand. Uh, keep your place there in Leviticus 4. Go, go, go to Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. And uh, when you get to Luke, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something in Luke, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back towards it. Luke chapter number 12. Look at verse 48. You say, what, what is the Bible teaching here? Here's what the Bible's teaching. Luke 12, 48. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 12, 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Now look, it, does it say that he who knew not, you know, gets, gets in a, you know, they get a get out of jail free card? No. He that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever, notice, much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask more. And the Bible teaches this principle of him, the Bible says, For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall be much required. There are levels of accountability. God looks at a priest and says, you've been given much. You, you have a job where you get to do the spiritual work and study the Word of God, you know, like, like, like no one else. He says, I'm going, when you mess up, it's going to cost you a bull. The ruler, the political leader, God says, your, your job is not a spiritual job, but you're still in a leadership position. I'm going to expect something from you. A common person, he says, I'm going to expect something less from you. And here's the point that God, God, the Bible is teaching. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. God expects more from you the more that he's given you. And it's this catch-22. Because you say, well, well, which side do you want to be? Because you're like, well, if the more I know, the more accountable I'm going to be. I want to know less. But God says, well, wait a minute. But if you sin through ignorance, it's going to cost you too. You understand? Because here's what we want. In our flesh, we want, the, the two options we want are, you know, we want to be able to say, I didn't know, therefore it's not a sin. And if it's not a sin, if I don't know, then don't teach me. Right? I don't want to know. Don't tell me it's wrong. Let me go ahead and, you know, commit adultery. Let me go ahead and smoke pot. Let me go ahead and get that tattoo. Let me go ahead and just, you know, get a divorce and get remarried. Let me just don't, don't show me the verses, Pastor. I'd rather not know. But listen to me. You'll still be held accountable for ignorance. And then you say, okay, well, if I know and I do it anyway, to whom much is given, much shall be required. 
say, well, then what do I do? Here's what you do. You learn what the Bible says, and then you just follow the God, commandments of God. That's what you do. Amen. That's the option we don't want. Say, well, what, what do I do? I mean, if I don't know, I get in trouble. If I do know, I get in trouble. You only get in trouble if you sin. <laughs> so why don't you just learn everything God wants you to know, and then follow his commandments. Amen. And then just obey what the Bible says. And we're all going to mess up. That's why the sin of ignorance is there, because we're all, all of us are going to be not thinking, not meditating upon the Word of God. We're going to say something we shouldn't say. We're going to do something we shouldn't do. We're all going to sin from time to time, just because we don't know everything in the Bible, or just because whatever we know from the Bible doesn't come to our mind at that moment. And, and God says, you can make that right. You can, it's okay. The sin of ignorance is there. The, the, the sacrifice, the sin offering is there. But he says, here's what God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study the Bible so you're not ignorant. And then realize that when you study the Bible, I'm going to hold you accountable. Look, you are going to be held accountable for coming to a church like Verity Baptist Church where the Bible is preached. Where you learn the Word of God. God is going to hold you accountable. You say, well, I'm going to forget that then. I'm just going to go down to the street to the liberal church where they go to one verse, you know, uh, and there's only Sunday morning only service, and I'm going to go to that church. Well, then you're going to just mess up. Go down there and just watch those people mess up their lives. Through all sorts of sins of ignorance. They don't even know they're doing wrong. And they're like, why is my life so messed up? I mean, people are like, yeah, sometimes I look at people and I think to myself, I couldn't mess up my life that much if I set out to do it. I mean, if, if I woke up tomorrow morning and said, I want to mess up my life as badly as possible, I couldn't do as good of a job as some people do ignorantly. Say, what, you know, what's wrong with my life? I mean, everything I do is just not working out, everything. It's because you need to know what the Bible says, that's why. Because the blessings of God, the blessings of God are connected. The blessings, I, I used to have a pastor that the blessings of God are through the door of obedience. The blessings of God are through the door of obedience. And if you don't know what those doors are, if you don't know what God expects, if you don't know, you're going to be held accountable either way. Now look, if you're ignorant, he'll give you some leniency. But he says, I'd rather you just know. He said, I might hold you accountable. I, you know, I, I might, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. He said, I, I'm going to hold you accountable. You're, you're, you're a priest, you, you, you know more. You know better. You ought to do, you know, you, he said, I'm going to expect more from you. But listen, the book of Romans tells us that no matter, at the end of the day, every unbeliever, even the unsaved ones, will stand before God and they will be without excuse. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that they will be guilty before God. Their mouths will be stopped. No one will stand before God and have an excuse for why. No, God said, You're, you know what? You should have known. He said, even the heavens reveal. He said, he said even nature and creation reveal. And this is what the Bible teaches. So look, if you're going to play the game, then play the game. Otherwise, go be some Hindu somewhere and just make up your own rules and say, well, as long as I do good to others, karma will come back to me. If that's the God you want to serve, but if you want to serve this God... See, this is what I understand about Christians. They, they want to serve God and they like Jesus, they just don't like this Jesus. You know, they, they, like the, they, they like the Bible in theory, but when you start actually showing them what the Bible says, they're like, well, I don't know about all that. Look, if you're going to be a follower of Christ... Follow Christ. And if you're not, that's fine. I'm not mad at you. Just realize, just realize that God will hold you accountable. And to whom much is given. Of him shall be much required. Now let's just, in conclusion, just, just show you a couple of things about this chapter and, and, and we'll be done. Go back to Leviticus 4. I want to show you a couple of things. Sin affects. Sin has effects. 
Sin will affect your relationship with God. Did you keep your place in Luke? I think I asked you to keep your place in Luke. We're going to come right back to it. But go to Leviticus chapter 4 and look at verse 4. Leviticus 4 and verse 4. And you shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood, and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord. Why don't you notice the, this phrase? Before the veil of the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, there was a veil that separated the outer and the inner part. In the inner part, you had the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark pictured the representation of God. It represented God. It represented the presence of God. When they had the Ark with them, it pictured that God was with them. And in that inner court was the picture of God dwelling with us. Now, we don't have that today because we've got the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us. But in that sanctuary, that's what the picture was. And that veil separated man from God as a result of sin. The Bible tells in the book of Isaiah that sin and iniquity separates us from God. Well, sin separates us from God, and when someone would sin through ignorance, they would have to sacrifice a bull, an animal had to die, the blood was taken and sprinkled before the veil of the sanctuary. Look at verse 16, same chapter, Leviticus 4 and verse 16. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord. Notice, even before the veil. You say, well, why? Because that pictures the, the separation between us and God that sin brings. And notice what Jesus, if you go back to Luke, go to Luke 23 and verse 45. It's interesting because when Jesus died, one of the things that happened in the temple, Luke 23 and verse 45. Luke 23 and verse 45. Leviticus, I'm sorry, Luke 23 and verse 45. Notice what the Bible says. It's talking about when Jesus was crucified. And the sun was darkened when he, when he died. He gave up the ghost. And the sun was darkened. Luke 23 verse 45. Notice what the Bible says. And the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. When Jesus died, something that happened at the temple is that, that veil was rent. And this veil, if you'd study it in, the, in, 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 in Exodus, it's a thick, it's not just a little curtain, it's a thick, you know, thing that they, that they built, this, that meant separation. And when Christ died, that veil was rent. But up until then, when someone sinned, they had to acknowledge the fact that my sins have come between me and God. We sing that song, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Talking about keeping it, a, you know, making sure we confess our sins to God and keep that account short. Why? Because when, whenever there was sin, even a sin of ignorance, they had to acknowledge the fact that it, sep- it, it separates. There's a break in relationship there with God. We're not saved by having a relationship with God, but once you're saved, you got a relationship with God. And that sin, so they had to uh, take the blood and sprinkle it before the veil of the sanctuary. But notice also this. Go back to Leviticus 4. Not only does the blood affect our relationship with God, I'm sorry, not only does our sin affect our relationship with God, and that's pictured through the veil, having to have the blood applied every time, every time that you sinned, even just through ignorance. You brought the sacrifice, and you, and you had the veil. But it also affects something else. I want you to notice in Leviticus 4 and verse 7. Leviticus 4 and verse 7. And the priest 
shall put some of the blood, talking about the blood of the sacrifice, the sin offering, notice, upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense. He says, I want you to put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, go to Revelation, or what does that represent? Go to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4. We're almost done. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4. Last book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find. What does the uh, horns of the altar of sweet incense uh, represent? Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4. Revelation 8, 4. And the smoke of the incense, which came, notice, with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So when they would, when they would have that incense and that Incense would go up to God. That represented the prayer of the saints, that the prayers that go up to God. And here's what the sin offering is teaching us. When we sin, even through ignorance, not only does it affect our relationship with God, but it also hinders our prayers. The Bible talks about, in the book of Psalms, it talks about if I have iniquity in my heart, that God is not going to hear my prayers. And look, you want to keep a short list with God. You want to get your sins right with the Lord. The Bible says in the New Testament, we don't bring a sin offering. The sin offering has been, has been done. It's Jesus Christ. And we'll look at that here in a second. In fact, go to the book of Hebrews. If you kept your place in 1 John, um, you're, you're, you're right there. Just keep going backwards uh, through Second and First Peter and James and, and Hebrews. Go to, go to Hebrews chapter number 13. Keep your place in Hebrews and, and then go to Leviticus. We'll run these two verses and we'll be done. But here's what I want you to understand. Not only does it affect your relationship with God, it also affects your prayer life. God is not, if you're just in sin, God's not going to be available for your prayers. That's why when the sin offering was brought, the blood had to be placed not only on the veil, but on the incense, on the horn of the incense, which represents the prayer. And listen to me very carefully. You don't want to be getting right with God in the emergency room. When your child is going in for emergency surgery, you don't want to be, oh God, please forgive me, I know I've been living in sin. You want to have a clear communication with God at all times. Do you understand that? You don't want to just be, look, sin affects your prayers. That's why the blood was applied to the incense altar. Sin affects your relationship with God. And we got to just keep a short account with God. You say, but it was ignorant. You're still accountable for it. The Bible says, as the New Testament believers, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And part of the sin offering, the trespass offering, was a confession of your sin. And, and you know, we need to just, when, when the Holy Spirit brings something to our attention, brings something to our mind, brings something to our, to our conscience, we need to confess that to God, make that right, and try to have a short account with God. And of course, all of this pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at this last uh, verse and we'll be done. Leviticus chapter 4, look at verse 12. Even the whole bullock, Shall he carry forth, notice these three words, without the camp. Do you see that? Without the camp. They're supposed to take it once they killed it and once they did it, everything with the blood. They're supposed to take it without the camp and burn it outside. Burn it outside the camp. Leviticus 4.21. You're there in 4.12. Look down at verse 21. Leviticus 4.21. And he shall carry forth the bullock, notice, without the camp. All right? Now, that's, that's an important phrase there. Go to Hebrews 13. And verse number 11. Hebrews 13 and verse number 11. Hebrews 13, verse 11. For the bodies of those beasts 
whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, is burned without the camp. Isn't that what we're reading about in Leviticus 4? Hebrews 13, 11. Look at verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered, notice, without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him, notice, without the camp, bearing his reproach. See, the Bible tells us when Christ was crucified, he was crucified in, at Mount Calvary, Golgotha. And we're told that it was outside of the city of Jerusalem. It was without the camp, picturing the sin offering. Because if you remember, all of these offerings are, are a picture of Christ. The burnt offering pictures Christ. The meat offering pictures Christ. The peace offering pictures Christ. And this sin offering pictures Christ. And it pictures the fact that Jesus Christ had to have his blood shed. He had to die and be a reproach without the camp because of our transgressions. So don't take sin lightly. Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm just going to do it anyway. No, you know what? God's going to hold you accountable for that. You say, well, I did it ignorantly. God said, I'm still going to hold you accountable for that because that's the reason my son had to die. It's the reason he had to be crucified. So we shouldn't take this light approach to sin like, ah, whatever. I'm not really sure what the Bible says. Hey, look, before you make some major decision in your life, you better study out what the Bible says. And, and just realize, if you say, well, I know what else I'm going to do it anyway, just realize then, game on. You know, I'm, I'm going out the house with, you know, an umbrella and, and a gun and a shield because who knows what God's going to do to me when I sin willfully. And the Bible's very clear about these things. We'll talk about that next week. But in this passage, we see two great truths, two great truths that we need to always remember. There is a responsibility there is a measure of responsibility for all sins, even the sins of ignorance. And there is a measure of accountability for all sinners. And the more you know, the more that you have been exposed to, the more that you, knowledge that you have, God will require more of you. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to study these chapters, look at these passages in Scripture. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to take the, these, these things are not just you didn't, give a, you didn't just write the book of Leviticus because you were bored. You've given us these principles for a reason. You want us to learn these. And, and I understand that we don't live in Old Testament Israel, and we don't bring a physical offering to you, but we can still learn from these principles that all of our sins ought to be done through ignorance with the idea that either we don't know what the Bible says, or at least we're not setting out to do it with the intent of doing it. But Lord, help us to remember that that you will hold us accountable for those sins. And help us, Lord, to remember that you will also increase our accountability based on the amount of exposure we've had to your word. I mean, the fact that we live in the United States of America makes us more accountable than most people in this world. The freedom of speech, the, the, the access to the word of God, the, the ability to be able to go and read the Bible and sit under preaching. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take these things seriously. Lord, I pray that you would bless, help our church, Lord. Help us not to ever have to deal with an Achan situation when there's sin in the camp that hinders your blessing, that hinders your, your, the opportunities that we have. We love you, Lord, in your precious name, I pray. Amen.